Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Love you so much. We even decided to wear matching outfits. Welcome in. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television. This handsome man, Rajim Seabrook, rolling yep. with me. We got the black and gray on today. I guess that's the. Uh, it's not even a Raiders show, though, right? We don't. Do you even like the Raiders? I'm not even into the Raiders. We're both. <laughs> you're giving me the look. We're both of uh, a certain age, though, where like the Raiders were that. One of the only teams besides like the Cowboys that were like a nationally, oh totally like, like a b- national brand. You know, it's like a love or hate, right? But the Raiders, because of so many different affiliations with their gear, well, that and they just had character. As, so I many mean, characters: Lyle Alzado, Howie Long. I mean, just like the villains of the league. The Raiders are such a fascinating analysis of time too, because you had Al Davis 
And what people of a certain age remember Al Davis as is as like this senile old man who was running a franchise. Totally. But Al Davis was like the game changer of sports owners in the late 60s and early 70s. John Madden was like the game changer of coaches. Totally. He was like the Steinbrenner of the NFL. It's a little black and uh, gray for you, but not really a Raiders show. In fact, hardly any NFL. But we will talk some NFL here today on your Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. On uh, ESPN Radio, maybe you're watching in SWX Montana Television, or maybe you are on the new ESPN Montana app. Go get the new ESPN Montana app. Great way to stream this show live, archived, no matter how you want, watch, listen. You can also do that on the station website, 1029ESPN.com. Talk some NBA off the top, a continuation of our conversation about legacies. What did the recent NBA Finals win do for the Golden State Warriors in terms of their legacy amongst the best teams in the history of the league. What did it do for the legacy of Stephen Curry, who is certainly now one of the, Steph is Steph Curry is definitely one of the best players in league history, but just how good? Where does he rank? Whose careers do we think he stacks up against? Whose careers whose careers do we think he has had a better run than? We shall debate. We're also going to talk a little NBA draft. I'm still not done screaming and yelling about how dumb I think the one and done is. Because I think that there's so many guys that are going to go in the draft this year in the first 10 to 15 picks that should have been just drafted last year coming out of high school. And I just don't really know why this continues. Uh, but I do think that we are getting closer to a reality in which the one and done is eliminated. Guys can just go straight out of high school. Or maybe they just all go to this G League elite hmm. incubator uh, team that they have. I don't know, but it's a discussion for sure. We'll talk some... NFL big questions uh, about 4.30. We also have some Desperado wings for you. Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, best wings in the city of Missoula. We'll give you 12 of them about 4.45, so stay tuned for that. Top of the hour is a fun one. I actually recorded this one before I knew my guy was coming in, but either way, it'll be a fun listen uh, for you guys out there and Rajim as well. Austin Green, he's a national and international scout, a guy who spent the last three years in Spain. He's a University of Montana graduate, went to the J School here in Missoula. Our uh, our producer, Andrew Houghton, actually set this one up. But this guy's been, I mean, so first of all, have you seen the new Adam Sandler, the new movie Hustle? No, I am I am told I have to see it. It's though. only been out for a couple weeks, but uh, I watched the first half of it. I fell asleep. Tell Andrew me. is like over your shoulder no, telling me I have no, to no, see it's, this. It's funny. We have, we have people on all sides of this uh, studio and office that have seen this that say it's super, super good. I watched the first half the other night. And the only reason I didn't finish is just because I fell asleep because I'm old. Uh, but it's not because it's, not it's boring. I fall, If you know me, my brother's listening and laughing right now. I make it an hour into every movie ever and then fall asleep. That's how it rolls. But either way, I can't wait to watch the second half. But Austin Green has sort of lived the life of this character in Hustle, looking for that next big thing. But he's also now recently spent the last six months down in Tucson scouting uh, a variety of different NBA guys. So he has some great NBA draft analysis for mm. us as part of this week's ESPN Roundtable. And then our senior spotlight continues. And this is going to be a fun one because, first of all, he's a Missoula guy, Missoula Sentinel graduate, and a future Montana Grizzly uh, on the gridiron. But also a guy that Rajim has uh, had contact with and coached for the last several years during his high school career, Drew Klump, who's headed to Montana uh, to play football for the Grizzlies. Also a phenomenal uh, and state champion, track and field athlete. Uh, what a great career he had. Back-to-back state titles on the football field and a variety of state titles, both from a team and individual per- perspective on the track. So he'll join us for our senior spotlight about 530.
That's our show outlook presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. They are the official realtors of Grizz Athletics as well as experts in real estate in Western Montana. Any questions you might have, give Brent and his team a call today. We are coming to you through the Northwest Motorsport Studio, Northwest Motorsport, largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Find it online, nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Because we're a GMs here, you know we're going to have some uh, smooth tunes for you today. (laughs) Thank you. I always text him when he's coming in, and I say, hey, give me the theme, and I'll give you the playlist. So we got Motown theme today. That's what Rajim really wanted. That's Who what doesn't I, like Motown? Everybody loves Let's Motown, dude. I'm, Motown. I'm, I'm totally into it. This is so funny, though. We had our, our great friend Tommy Evans on the show yesterday. T.E. And I was telling him, he played a, a, a really fun Sam Fender song. Sam mm-hmm. Fender's a new like indie rock guy that's had a couple albums. He's really, really good. Uh, also, like insightful. If you actually listen to the lyrics, he's, he's very politically driven, which sometimes I don't like in music, but he's very good, very... Um, introspective and talking about a lot of interesting things. But I told Tommy that he was the one that sort of introduced me to Sam Fender, and that's what re- that when I heard that, it reminded me of him. And he's like, you know who reminds me of you? And I said, what? And he, talking about me, Coulter. And he's like, Gladys Knight and the Pips. And I was like, our guy Rajiv loves Gladys Dude, Knight and the Pips. Dude, I love Gladys Knight and the Pips. I don't know if I'm Gladys Knight and the Pips. I mean, it's a great compliment. That's a great compliment. <laughs> Groundbreaking, innovative, <laughs> yeah. creative, right. ahead of the time. For I sure. mean, you lyrics were, of love. Lyrics of love and insight. Yeah. You are definitely the funniest looking soulful black woman I've ever not seen in my life. Of course. Yeah, that's so appropriate. I was trying to think of all the great songs that remind me of you. The list is long. I'll just make you a playlist someday. Remember when we used to like get the you make a playlist, but you burn it onto a CD and you like go give it to your your homie or you go give it to your oh, gr- or your girl more specifically. Son, I'm I'm from the age of mixtapes. When <laughs> like you're like you're, you're like trying to record tape. it yep, down yep. to the last second so you can get as many songs on a oh, was man. it a 45 minute side oh, or on a cassette. Me and Austin Tutel, Ryan Tutel used to be the co-host of this show. That's kind of the connector for between me and Rajim. Yes, but his little brother Austin is one of my best friends forever, and we were both super into music since Austin had this brother that was six years older you know he's feeding us all the tunes when we were yeah, yeah. 10 12 whatever but we had this art teacher mrs burke over there at uh, i guess miss burke over there at uh, hellgate elementary and she told us she's like yeah you guys can make your own mixtapes and you guys can have whatever you want on there but there's no swearing if there's a swear word on there tapes going gone. out so we figured out how to edit these things so we're making like edited by hand Mixtapes. Yes. So that we can have like Ice Cube and Nirvana and whatever oh, playing boy. in the halls. And she thought it was so creative. She's like, she would hear the song come on. She'd look at us like, I know that there's swear words in this song. And then we'd be like, no, 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 Miss Burke, we got it. No swear words. Good memories nice. from the mixtape days, man. Then you sold them out at recess out of the back of the car, bootlegging <laughs> stuff. Austin and Coulter's mixtape company. Gotta <laughs> love it. Pretty much every night all summer long, we will have the Missoula Paddleheads right here on ESPN Radio. So you can always check out Jeff Safford's dulcet tones here uh, on ESPN Radio in the evenings. And with the Paddleheads returning home for a homestand this weekend, remember, Western Cider, all about great cider, good times, and the community. And all season long, if you swing into Western Cider with your Paddleheads ticket, you're going to buy one cider and get the second cider free. That's right. Buy one, get one free at Western Cider with any Paddleheads tickets. Western Cider, 501 North California Street. It's just right over the walking bridge. Uh, yesterday was the summer solstice. 
Yes, it was. I always like to make sure I see the sun completely leave the sky. Not just set behind the mountains, but no light left, right? I think we made it all the way to about 10.50 last night before it was actually dark. I th- you know, it's funny. It also depends on where you are. For because sure. Because for me, it was it was like 11.01 because I'm higher up. For sure, yeah, So yeah. I kept, yeah, yeah. and then it dipped down. So We live yeah. in the same little similar neighborhood right there in the Sawmill District, but we walked down the California Bridge okay. just so we could see over the river there. But you can walk over the California Bridge from Western Cider right to the Missoula Paddlehead Stadium. So remember, buy one, get one free ciders at Western Cider with your Paddleheads tickets for all the home games uh, throughout the year. I haven't seen you in a little while, man. You haven't been in here for a minute. So first and foremost, since the uh, last time you were in, Golden State Warriors sewed up the uh, NBA championship. That was a good series. It was a good series. Great it series. was a uh, a historic, I would, I would say a unforgettable win by Golden State to close the series out. I don't think anybody thought that Golden State was going to go into Beantown and close that out. I think people thought the Warriors were going to win the series, but yeah. it was going to happen in Oakland on Father's Day, not last Friday. That, I mean, that was a cold-blooded effort by them to walk into Beantown. I mean, it was never even a question. It wasn't even like they rallied and you know overcame this crazy crowd. They silenced the crowd straight out the gates and then just squished them with their thumbs. It was, uh, it was an impressive... I mean, look... Dare I say, I mean, a Jordan-esque effort in the game six to close them out. I mean, it was it was an impressive, impressive victory, both from the series perspective, but just the way they closed out the series. Well, anyone that beats Boston is automatically in my good favor. So no kidding, thank right? you, Steph Curry and company. Uh, but the game itself was great. The series was wonderful. Uh, what I really enjoyed was the fact that Steph kind of donned the cape in that game, especially after sure. shooting, what, 40% or below the game, you know, prior. And uh, coming in and just saying, we are the veterans. We've been here before. This isn't our first rodeo, and we're going to play like it. And um, to me, that was their strongest showing outside of game two. And the fact that Steph Curry, he averaged 33 points per game in this series, earned finals MVP. But his two best games in this series were game four in Boston and game six in Boston. Absolutely. Those fans are never going to forget that. They're not in the same conference, so he won't be going back there four times a year like a lot of guys in the East. But you know how Boston fans roll. Like, oh, gosh. They're going to be saying nothing but bad things about Steph oh, Curry horrible. and his mom and his baby's moms and all this stuff oh, yeah. for the rest of time. I mean, that was a that was a uh, a cutthroat, cut-your-heart-out type, uh, both his 43-point game in Game 4 and and his final game in Game 6. Yeah, that was just, I, like, I like the comparison. Very Jordan-esque, like dagger in your back, your front, and in your throat. And guess what? I don't care. Um and my friends and family that live on that side of the country sure. said that the the picture that has been most put up on dart boards across taverns in the Northeast is um, Steph with him pointing, putting the ring on his finger, uh, the pointing to that. So that's been a, a bone of contention for many of my Northeastern relatives and associates. <laughs> Rajiv Zerick in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas, here on ESPN Radio. Uh, speaking of that part of the world, Brooklyn Nets got a lot of drama. They have always had, I mean, ever since they moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn, it seems like there's been drama. But Kyrie Irving making a lot of big demands. Uh, Kevin Durant maybe holding the, the franchise hostage because he wants Kyrie there, but does he want Kyrie there? And all of a sudden, Kyrie might be going to the Lakers or Kyrie might be demanding a trade. Where are we at with the Nets now? Send them back to Jersey. Take them back to the swamp. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you about these two, Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Polarizing figures. Kevin Durant transcendent of the game for his generation of, of 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 basketball but let me tell you let me let me let me give you my Stephen A. Smith take on this <laughs> oh 
okay. No, I'm not that angry, <laughs> yeah, right. toxic, or vile. Reggie will not start no. screaming A. Smith right now. No, not at all. But I will say this. You ever meet someone that you're, you're attracted to? Every day. Oh, every day. Men, women, children, all the way around. All the way around. The art of attraction, the element of attraction is, is vast. Exactly. I think we would all be better, actually, if we understood that. But regardless, that's a completely different subject. The laws of attraction. 36 laws, right? That's right. So, my, and I'm going to make a short story long because that's what I do. <laughs> you meet this person. They're attractive. Other people are enamored by them. They're good looking. Right? And in this case, it'd be for me, it's the girl. Sure. Here's... But then you get that girl. Sure. And then you're like, wait a second. There's a reason why this girl was single. <laughs> no matter how good looking she was, there's a reason why this person was single. And that's how I feel about Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Right. Like, right. you want them? And then so you don't. And then there's a reason why people aren't flocking to play with talented dudes like Kevin Durant anymore. See, the thing that's so, so, so interesting to me is Kevin Durant's the most unique analysis in this. Because I do think that in this day and age of the NBA, almost everybody else, almost everybody needs somebody else's help. Kevin Durant, for how his game is molded and the level of talent that he is, I th- I've always found it so surprising that he's always trying to find a Batman for a Robin for his Batman. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant should just play with a whole bunch of role players on average 35 points per game. Why does he need anybody else? He doesn't need a superstar. He would be so much better off if he was just surrounded by a bunch of shooters and like defensive guys that could just take the pressure off of him. Because if there's another superstar, the superstar also gives him a scapegoat. Sure. It's interesting. And, and, and I think Kevin Durant is, is, is good for that. His ability to not respond and have visceral reactions to everything. Um, there's always an out for him. Yeah. So it's uh that that to me is is in in this in this man's opinion, um, <laughs> that's what it is. He he needs that other marquee player to almost have a scapegoat when he's not doing well or the team isn't doing well. This was the fourth uh, NBA title for the Golden State Warriors in the last eight years. They made it to the finals five years in a row and took home three titles during that span. Mm-hmm. Then they had the several years where they were downright horrible, so bad that they won 17 games one year and got the number one overall pick. Now they're back and extends their their dynasty here that they've been uh, mm-hmm. continuing to build upon. And so now I think they're in rare air in the history of the NBA. I don't think that you can say that they're near they're near touching Russell's Celtics or Jordan's Bulls yet, but I think that there is a conversation to be had now for pretty much everybody else in the history of the NBA. I think that they're right there parallel with Bird Celtics in the 1980s, Larry Bird Celtics in the 1980s. And Andrew thinks that they're almost even maybe in the conversation with the Showtime Lakers and the other dynasty of the last, you know, uh, modern era of the, of the NBA you got to talk about is the Spurs of Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Greg Popovich, all those guys. So where are we at with the Warriors? I mean, I, I guess are you buying or selling the Warriors? We'll just go one by one. Buying or selling the Warriors versus like the Larry Bird Celtics of the 1980s. I sell the Warriors on that because Golden State doesn't have the big men to keep up with uh, uh, Parrish and uh, Mikhail and company. Sure, more there. than more than if they play but, each other, though. Let's just compare their legacies because I do think that that gets a little bit hairy, right? Like okay, when, you're, okay. when you're saying who matches up with who, right? Because it, it's so interesting because like a part of me thinks that like the Warriors will just run the Boston Celtics into the ground. There's part of that too. Right. Um, 
Okay, so we'll start with Bird Celtics. Yeah, yeah. I will buy the Warriors over yeah. the Celtics in that one. So the, the, I think the Celtics got themselves to I think six finals during eighty to eighty seven. They won three titles. Mm-hmm. I think that so it's it's basically three to seven, four out of eight. Uh, so I I agree. I think that the Warriors are ahead of that. Yeah. The the Spurs have this very unique legacy because they got to seven finals in the span of. What, I guess it's 17 years, yes. 98 to 2014, so I guess that's 16 years. They won the West seven times. They won five titles in that span, and they, th- because of that, they were part of multiple different eras, right? They, that's where, bingo, right, it, the, right? iter- the iterations of the teams are so vastly right. different. Like David Robinson wasn't old yet, his first one, and bingo. he was old his second, second one, one, right? Totally, so to me, when you talk about legacies and consistency the nucleus for golden state has been intact longer than other iterations of other championship right. teams because even jordan's bulls yet the first three way different team than the last three sure right, right so so to me consistency as far as you know in the context in which you speak culture i would um Golden Golden State might be a top three. See, and I think that that's right where they're teetering at. I think yeah. it's definitively Russell's Celtics. Yes. You know, 12 finals and 13 years, yes. 11 championships. Yes. And Jordan's Bulls. Hands down. Six out of eight with, with you know, only a retirement really getting in the way of it. Uh, but then I do. I think it's – I think the Warriors are slightly ahead of those Spurs. I think they're slightly ahead of those Celtics, and I think it's it's Showtime Lakers, Magic Johnson, James Worthy versus the Warriors. I uh, I take One, Showtime on. Yeah, that I, I do too, and I think from a legacy perspective too, you know they they had the fifth title, and you're talking about. I think the Warriors have certainly. I think they have three Hall of Fame players on their team, and it's a, a matter of if you think Andre Iguodala might be a Hall of Famer someday. I tend to say no. But I, he's, a, he's I, but, borderline. But he was an NBA Finals MVP, so that 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 definitely you know bumps the resume up. But the Lakers have, in my opinion, two of the five best players to ever play the game in Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So uh, yeah, I think and James Worthy and, and Worthy was a Hall of Famer for sure, no no question. And you also have to wonder too, like that Lakers squad, I think made eight finals during that eleven year run. They won five championships. But also, could they have gotten more if not for Magic Johnson's whole situation as well? Without so there, there's a, a there's a what if kind of attached to it too. Nuanas now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Rajim Seabrook in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas, coming to you through the Northwest Motorsports Studio. How about Stephen Curry now? He's got multiple regular season MVPs. He's got a Finals MVP, and he's got four rings. And Andrew and I went the uh, the other day through this. This is why I wanted the pen, because I wanted to write stuff down yeah. before we talked about it so we knew it was solid. I love it. So I think you, you're probably on the same page here in, in terms of, you know, the, the, the unbreakable all-time greats in the game. Michael Jordan, whatever order you want to put them in. But Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, LeBron James, Wilt Chamberlain, Tim Duncan, Magic Johnson – probably have no peer, right? Steph Curry's not vaulting over any of those guys in, in the legacy uh, of the NBA, right? You're right. And so, but that still means he's in that conversation for sort of like the the next tier, the guys that are like the 8th through the 12th best players in NBA history. So, I mean, sort of the guys that he's in the conversation with now as far as you know, his legacy in within the NBA, it's guys like Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Larry Bird, 
So where are we at? It's so funny because you look at him and you, you think about it. See, I, I almost think your list is so fair and unfair because how, how I – and I've had this conversation since the championship games yeah. with several friends is – who would your starting five be? Well, see, Andrew and I were talking about this yesterday. That's and and, and for me. So your backcourt's Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, right? Without a doubt, right. So that that's where Steph Curry's so interesting, though, right? Because because he's the best off ball guy, off ball guy ever. It, yeah, right. <laughs> that's, and and the best pure shooter the game has ever seen. No question. I think it's not even close. Um, I just I found it striking because I, I heard an, another show Ugh, do a, a podcast debate between Stephen Curry and Kobe Bryant. And when I first heard that bring that up, I was like, well, that's just blasphemy. It's Kobe. But then I thought to myself, man. I don't know. Like, it, it, the resumes are a lot closer than you want to believe. You do. And, 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 and the way in which it was done and the rapidity in which right. Steph did it over Curry. Right. I'm sorry, Steph did it over Kobe. Right. Um, is something to also be spoken For to. For sure. But I'm going back to, you know, our conversation of Kobe over Steph. I got to take Kobe because of defense. For sure. Like, he, that's that's the, the, the one thing that when I, when I look at both of their games, if I had to take either one right now, I gotta go with Kobe because of defense sure. and his his it, more physicality than Steph. He brings more physicality to the game. What the world thinks of Stephen Curry after he retires is going to be so fascinating as well because there's been a few guys in in recent years when they retired and it really sunk in what they meant to the game. Their legacies became even more accentuated. Totally, Kobe Bryant was a very polarizing and I would say. Most basketball, well, I should say most, but I would say a slight majority of basketball fans hated Kobe Bryant mm -hmm. during his prime. Yeah, and if Grant he, Hill had an evil twin brother, it's Kobe right, Bryant. Exactly, and then Kobe became beloved after he was retired, and then he got into this other stuff and became even more beloved and more beloved, and then when he died tragically, it actually probably vaulted Propped his legend even more, even more yeah, right? Totally, totally. Alan, I, I mean, I have a, an Allen Iverson card right here that I just picked up at Zootown oh, Sports Cards. He's another him. one, too. Love AI. He, he he was uh, he was a very villainous character while he was playing, and since he's retired, there's been much more reverence brought to the table because of, to what he meant for the game beyond just his scoring abilities. I'm gonna rewrite your sentence. He was villainized yeah. for sure. And I want to put that out there. He was not a villain. He was villainized. He was unapologetic, unapologi unapologetically himself, and the league wasn't ready for that. So well, he society was, wasn't ready for no, that because I no. mean. They were trying to throw Allen Iverson away in jail and lock away the, and throw away the key for real when he was 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was before Georgetown, before Nike. Yeah, I, I mean, villainized. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting. But I I wonder though because I do think that there's, I, I think that one of the biggest talking points of Steph Curry's career. I think everybody agrees he's the greatest shooter of all time. Period. I think everybody agrees that he changed the game as much as any player in the modern era. Correct. And sir. it's impossible to deny his ability as a winner. Mm -hmm. He also has such a, a limited respect of his peers. And I think there's certain things that go into that. His dad played in the NBA, so mm -hmm. he's not from a disenfranchised background. He, nope. he he grew up, you know, going to the nicest clubs in Charlotte and you know everything, right? Yeah. All the opportunity. I think he doesn't get enough credit for that, though. There's a lot of NBA guys that have sons. How many of them are all-time great players in the NBA? Very, very few. But I do think that Stephen Curry, the way he looks. The way uh, you know he he just has this sort of angelic 
persona, the mouthpiece chewing, the fact that he's small and skinny, it all plays into what the league thinks of him. Mm-hmm. That's what's the craziest part. Like when Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant were playing, their peers were like, that guy's the best player in the league. Mm-hmm. Most of Steph Curry's peers don't think that he's better than them, even though he is, and he keeps beating them and winning more than they do. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, part of that is it's, and I hate to use this word when, when in relation to a fellow human, it's pedigree. He didn't go to Carolina. He didn't go to Duke. He sure. didn't go to like part of, that's part a, of the a traditional too. powerhouse school, which to me. Props him up even higher. The fact that he didn't do that and he's sure. doing what he's doing in the league. And then there's the whole social cultural thing. Um, too black for his white circles. Too too white too white for his black circles. Too black for his white circles. Like the opposite. Of, it's a part of it, though. It's a part of it. And he has been um, polarized and demonized for that. And that makes him soft. And he's, he's, he's not, quote, unquote, black enough to be, you know, vaunted into that same conversations with the Kobe's, the Shaq's, and the Michael's of the world. So, which is so friggin' ludicrous to even ha- be, be it, a, it an is. issue. But um, that that is the thing that he is placated by yep. as well. New Orleans now ESPN Radio. We're going to do a little NFL, but I want to keep the NBA talk going. The NBA draft is tomorrow night, so we'll have a lot of NBA draft discussions here today throughout this show. Why the one-and-done rule is flawed. Some statistics. Keep it right here. New Orleans now, ESPN Radio. Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz Gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. A variety of Montana's best high school football talent took the gridiron one last time as prep standouts in the Electric City on Saturday night. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. At the East-West Shrine Game in Great Falls, Hamilton's Tyson Rostad led an offensive onslaught for the West on the way to a 40-21 victory in the 75th edition of the popular charitable fundraiser football showcase. Rostad, who led Hamilton to its first Class A state title in 25 years last fall, rushed for three touchdowns, including two in the first half. He also found fellow future Montana Grizzly Ian Finch a Hellgate product for a 12-yard scoring toss right before halftime to give the West a 23-14 lead at the break. Rossad was named the Roger Silverdale Shrine Game MVP as well as the offensive MVP of the West. The West clung to just a 16-14 lead before Rossad strike to Finch. Billings West and future Carroll College quarterback Isaiah Clonch hit Bozeman Gallatin's Tyler Nansell for a 70-yard touchdown early, and Clonch also threw an 80-yard touchdown to Taco Dollar, his former Billings West teammate who earned Montana Gatorade Player of the Year honors and is heading to Montana State. Dowler earned offensive MVP for the East, while future Grizzly Bo Dantic of Laurel ripped off a 101-yard interception return for a touchdown late to earn defensive MVP honors for the East. On a high force, Suaro, who is heading to Carroll College, was the MVP of the West defense, and the West have now won 34 overall Shrine games. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Canyon River Golf Club of East Missoula. One of my favorite things in music is to think about... The first time somebody heard something that's so unique. There's so many great musical acts out there, but a lot of them are like derivatives of something that came before them. And I know that Aretha Franklin is, you know, she's so influenced by soul and gospel music, but 
her herself as somebody that was actually singing pop R&B soul on the radio. I just, I would love to be there like the first time that song hits your airways. You just like turn it up like, who is this lady? <laughs> Unbelievable. No, there's a couple of artists like that. Right? Um, Aretha's up there. Um, Frank Sinatra. It's a really good one. I always thought Fleetwood Mac, too, because just their Ooh, styles are one. so unusual, you know? That's good. good. Like they, would, that's they a good one. They influenced so much after them, but there was nothing that really had ever sounded like that before. The Grateful Dead. I mean, the Beatles, too. I mean, that's I'm not a Beatles guy, but that's why the Beatles, you know, the harmonies with, oh, the, totally. with the rock the guitars. harmony with the melodies. Yeah, yeah. that is, yeah. I, there's several. There are, yeah, I'm sorry. My mind is going down the rabbit hole right now. That's what we do here. Hey. Deanna's now rabbit hole city. Rajim Seabrook yep. kicking with us here <laughs> In studio, always talking the tunes. Thanks for tuning in on your Wednesday. You can always stream the show in a variety of ways. Mobile platforms, mobile devices, laptops from your office. Station website, 1029ESPN.com or on the ESPN Montana app. NBA Draft coming up tomorrow night. Our NBA Draft expert, Austin Green, coming up here on Nuanas Now in about half an hour. Also about an hour away from Missoula Sentinel standout, Drew Klumpf. He's headed to the Montana Grizzlies to play football. He probably could head to the Montana Grizzlies run track, too, if he wanted to. Uh, great multiple sport athlete there at Missoula Sentinel. He'll join us about 5.30. I want to continue talking about the NFL or the NBA draft, excuse me, because uh, I was thinking about this. I, I used to love the NBA draft. <laughs> I, I still love the NFL draft, and part of it's because the NFL, you have to go to college for three years. And so you can familiarize yourself with the players. And so you've seen guys from Georgia and Alabama and all these guys and guys yeah. from the Grizz and the Cats and the Big Sky Conference and all that. You've seen them for three, four, five years. So you kind of know about them. You know what their skill sets are. You can also sort of so well, uh, you can so easily directly correlate needs in the NFL draft too, right? Like New York Giants need an offensive lineman, you know. Need a lot. Right. <laughs> Minnesota Vikings need a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like you can you can do it. Where in the NBA, it's like we're just trying to hit a home run on a dude who we think could be a superstar. Right. You're not necessarily drafting a shooting guard because you need a shooting guard. When you're in the lottery, you're just trying to draft the dude who you think is going to be the next dude. That's it. I like. I used to love that part, but now I don't. Only because the dudes who seem to always be at the top of the draft are dudes who are 19 years old who you've hardly familiarized yourself with or haven't familiarized yourself with at all. I didn't even know who Cade Cunningham was until I went to the NCAA tournament and we were looking up top draft prospects and I was like, oh, the kid from Oklahoma State's going to be a lottery pick. Let's go watch him. Watched him live. I was like, yep, that guy looks like an NBA guy. But I had no real knowledge of him until like two months before the draft even started. And so it just seems like it's gone that way. And I know that there's uh, a lot of reasons why the NBA and the NCAA implemented the one-and-done rule. I think most of those reasons are marketing and finance-based. I think the NCAA wants those guys in the in college basketball for at least a year to drive traffic to the NCAA tournament and the exposure for that. I also think, though, the NBA wants them there for an extra year of evaluation and so that they can get their names out there without having to market them themselves. Still, though, I was more aware of LeBron James and Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant when there was no chance those guys were ever going to college than I am about most guys that are one-and-dones in the NBA. So we're going to get into some stats about this, but what do you think of this uh, this phenomenon or I guess this uh, this implementation of a rule that um, 
seems a little bit sideways. That, the rule to me is called checking the box. You're just checking the box to, to satiate and to keep people away from, you know, saying bad things about your organization, your business, and in this case, the NCAA, the institution. I hate the one-and-done rule. Yeah. What I don't like about it is if you were going to be that talented, that highly touted, then make the jump high school go straight to the pros. That's right. If you, like how much did Scotty Barnes was the rookie of the year this last year? How much right. did he benefit from playing a year in college? None. Right. None. He probably and, and he, he lost money and, and some body in the process. <laughs> right. Right. What I don't like about the one and done rule is I love collegiate athletics. Like I love college, love college sports. Yes. I love the word you use. It's a mockery. Right. Like don't pee. On the on the institution like that, right. like if you're if it's a business, then be a business. All right, like, that's exactly right. Like go and do your thing, but don't you know poke at it where other athletes aren't allowed to do what you're allowed to do. Like the equity and or equality that does not stem from this one and done rule across the board is ridiculous. There's a certain exception, like Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga is about to be a top three pick. Yes, and Chet Holmgren's a one and done guy from Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a private school, though. That's not necessarily just like this public institution paper diploma like a lot of these institutions have become, especially for elite athletes. Mm-hmm. So I bet you Chet Holmgren was probably going to class more often than not. Absolutely. But, yeah. but then oh, you look yeah. at but then you look at like the opposite side of the spectrum. Like Derek Rose was a while ago, but that's a great example of it. But there's so many different examples of it. Derek Rose didn't had never taken standardized tests. So they took them for him to get him into Memphis. Then Derrick Rose took the bare minimum amount of classes, the, probably the three easiest classes offered on Memphis's campus. Intro to guitar, that's underwater, true. basket right. weaving, and lunch. History of rock and roll, like whatever, you know. And that's the other thing is when these dudes are one and done and they know they're going to be the top ten pick. There's no vestment in they anything else. They don't go to school after the semester because who cares? You can completely fail out. So all you do is go to practice. So it is. It's a mockery of them. Actually going to college. No one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. But here's the number one thing that I keep hearkening back to. So I decided to actually do some statistical research here. All right. There's this broad narrative that's been pumped forever that guys that came out of high school and went to the NBA just weren't ready. And because they were immature, they fell flat on their face. I don't really know how much... 25 weeks at Duke helps you. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like maybe a little bit. You, you go to Kentucky for seven months and you know, you're 19 and a half or 20 instead of 18 and a half or 19. I don't know how much that helps you. I would say that there are certain institutions due to the his, histrionics and historical aspects and yeah. who certain coaches are that they do benefit from like the, the knowledge sure. of the game, not necessarily the physical aspect, but definitely the mental, sometimes emotional. That's all to say though. In the history of the NBA draft, there's there's been 42 guys. And again, we're also making rules to limit guys that uh, th- such a rare amount, such a small amount of guys that actually could go from the high school to the NBA. But 42 guys since the ABA-NBA merger have gone from the high school to the NBA. Here's your breakdown of how those guys did. Six of them are surefire Hall of Famers and about half of those Hall of Famers are guys that are probably top 15 players in the history of the game. Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, all top 15 to 20 guys. Dwight Howard's also going to be a Hall of Famer. Tracy McGrady, I think, is going to be a Hall of Famer. And Spencer Haywood, who was actually the first one, I guess the second one of these guys, besides uh, Daryl Dawkins, to do this, he is also in the Basketball Hall of Fame. So you got six out of 42. That's about one out of six and a half or one out of seven are Hall of Famers. Okay, that's one group. 
You have nine more guys who are all-stars. Amari Stoudemire, Jermaine O'Neal, Daryl Dawkins, Rashard Lewis, Tyson Chandler, Al Jefferson, Josh Smith, Monta Ellis, and Lou Williams. So now here we are with 15 out of 42 guys. That's about one-third of the guys are all-stars. Doesn't seem like the immaturity killed them. Seemed like they were all ready to roll. Then you have another 15. So this brings us up to 30 of the 42 guys were at least solid NBA players that lasted at least 10 years in the league. J.R. Smith, Travis Outlaw, Kendrick Perkins, Al Harrington, Jonathan Bender, Deshaun Stevenson, Darius Miles, Dezana Jop, Sean Livingston, Darrell Wright, Martell Webster, Andrew Bynum, Gerald Green, C.J. Miles, Andre Blatch, Amir Johnson. Those last several were the last year that high school guys could get drafted, and they those guys were second-round picks. So I'm not trying to sit here and proclaim that C.J. Miles or Andre Blatch were some sort of game-changers, but they did last in the league for a while and started in the league, and so I think that's part of the narrative here too. If you're coming out of high school, people expect that your, your floor is going to be as an all-star, but if you just go play in the NBA for 15 years like J.R. Smith and get a ring. I don't know, really know how you can kill him. But like the list of the guys from the early 2000s, so we're talking the post-Kobe, post-Kevin Garnett, and like right after LeBron James. Those guys are the guys that so often get referred to as the biggest busts. The Kwame Browns of the world. Darius Miles. The Darius Miles, the Deshaun Stevensons, yep. the Jonathan Benders. Yep. So my argument would be two-pronged. One... What really is a bust? I mean, Deshaun Stevenson played in the NBA for 14 years. I don't, you know, he was never an all-star, but he also played in the league for 14 years. Darius Miles faded fast. He he rose quickly and he faded fast. Kwame Brown, same thing. He was never nearly as good as he thought a number one pick was going to be. He still lasts in the league forever. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an amount of perspective. But more than anything, my biggest question would be, how much would any, is Darius Miles' career any different? If he goes to Kansas for a year or goes to UCLA for a year and then goes to the NBA, is Sebastian Telfair's career any different? Is Deshaun Stevenson's career any different? I don't really think it is. I, I, I just I don't think the physical aspect of the game becomes any different. I just think there's some maturity that does take place. For sure, but okay, so that Which so, does so impact my, a person's game. I totally agree. My biggest argument though is when you're at Duke, you're not learning how to be a pro. <laughs> well, the, re- the reason that the reason Kentucky and John Calipari did this better than anybody is they brought dudes in and say, "Hey, you're not allowed to go straight to the NBA anymore. Mm-hmm. So we're going to come in and teach you how to go to the NBA." Yep. So they had guys NBA ready. I think going to the league straight out of high school and being on an NBA team that's going to make you learn how to be in the NBA is better for you. Okay, fair enough. Here's the greatest example. I think the greatest example of why the one and done doesn't work is Ben Simmons. Imagine if Ben Simmons would have had an extra year in the league. He already had to take a year when he first got into the league to learn how to fold his own laundry or whatever the heck he was doing. Learn how to shoot. That's what I'm saying. So I just, I think that, I I don't know how much of a difference it honestly makes. And I actually think if you want your job to be as an NBA player, Mm -hmm. I I, I do think that the, the original group of these guys did teach the league a lot. Oh, a ton. And I think that now... If guys were able to go straight out of high school, because that's such a phenomenally valuable asset for an NBA team, they're going to prop these guys up way more and not let them fail. Mm-hmm. I also think veteran players in the league have a lot more interest in helping these guys along, too. And I think there's been just some fundamental differences in the changes in the way these guys operate off the court as well. 
Like, I don't think there's nearly as much trouble to get into just because of the, some of the cultural things that young guys are doing now. I guess what I'm saying well, is... Well, there's also things that are more culturally and socially accepted no, now for sure, than they for were, sure. say, 20, For sure, but I do ago. think that the biggest worry back in the day was that... Right. Like, Al Harrington's a great example. The dude's just champagne <laughs> and campaigning for the first five years in the league, right? Jermaine O'Neal, too. Those two were together in Indiana. They get away from each other, and they both become good NBA players. Mm-hmm. They were just partying. I don't know how much that happens anymore, though, because I think these dudes are just playing Fortnite. Yeah, they're 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 TikToking it. That's right. That's right. Doing all that stuff. These uh, ordering their dates on the internet. You, <laughs> along along with. <laughs> wow, that that came out of left field. I'll I'll keep it though. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a different way of being. You're right. It's the Xbox generation. These guys are just chilling. They're not out. Doing the things like Deion Sanders was doing. The last point I'll make here. Proceed, it, brother. Proceed. Is, is this. One of the the storylines of the NBA last year was how good the rookie class was. Of mm. those guys that were great rookie players, most of them were one and dones. Whether it was Cade Cunningham, who was the number one overall pick. Jalen Suggs, who was one and done at Gonzaga. Evan Mobley, who was one and done at USC before going to the Cavs. Scotty Barnes. These guys were all one and done players. And so I think it's a great example of they adjusted to the maturity of the NBA pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and I don't think that their seven-month stops at their colleges did that for them. Paulo Bencaro is another great example coming out of Duke this year. How much did Duke help him? Yeah. I don't think so. I think he's going to be an 18-point-per-game scorer in the league. Boom, day one, and nothing that Coach K did influences that. And we will watch this in 12 months from now and see if the prediction of the guru known as Coulter comes true. They usually do, ladies and gentlemen. They usually do. You want us now, ESPN Radio. How about some Desperado Wings? We got some for you. And I got three big questions about the NFL for Rajiv. Rolling here on a Wednesday. Let's Keep go. it right here. It's now, ESPN Radio. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. One, two, three. What is now on ESPN Radio. Oh, baby, a little some Motown for you on your Wednesday. Got to love it. Got to love it, my main guy, Roger Seabrook, right in studio with us here on Nuanas Now. Also, Andrew texted in uh, from the back, and uh, since it is a Motown theme today, he was asking about uh, if we'd seen the documentary about the Apollo. I got it on my list. Yeah. But the Apollo Theater, there's a new doc on Netflix. And for those unfamiliar... There was sort of this concept in in music where you used to kind of have to, quote-unquote, go pro, right? Yeah. Or, or if you're like an up-and-comer. You, you got to make it. You had to make it to get like a, a record contract before yeah. you could get on the radio. Because the DJs were so big. So Amateur Night at the Apollo was, huge. was like the thing. When are we going to see the next great talent? And there, some of these great Motown artists totally. got their start there. And that's a good example of what I'm talking about. People hearing that for the first time, right? He said we got to watch it. There's like some reactions that we are uh, assuming that people would have when they hear that the transcendent voices. Yeah, man, I grew up in New York, and and have you it, ever been? Have you ever been there to, to the Apollo? Yeah, 
many times, nice, my man. friend. That's so many, sweet. Many, many times. Um, I always loved it when the Sandman came out because that means your act was not together. Right, right, and right. You, and if you got the hook, if that shepherd's hook came right, out. Right, right. Bye bye. <laughs> it's awesome. So much. Uh, I don't know if you think I could handle the hustle and bustle and chaos of living in one of those big East Coast cities. But the experiences like that, just be able to just go to the Apollo, like I think that's the thing I would I would love, buddy. For as much as you hustle, bustle, and sweat, <laughs> like you you should be in a city. <laughs> your, your hardest working man in Missoula County, baby. Let's go. Gotta love it. Oh, let's talk some NFL, but first, let's give you some wings. Give me some wings. Wing it Wednesday. <laughs> oh, so son, excited. I got all I got, happy. I give me I got, some. I got one. I got some for you. It is a Wing It Wednesday presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. We do this each Wednesday here on Nuanas Now to close out the 4 o'clock hour. And uh, it's an ever-evolving segment, but we always love the Desperado for being involved. And the only thing you really need to know is you're going to win some free hot wings. We did trivia for years. We've been giving you history lessons today. We're just going to straight up talk about the NFL. So you just got to call us, 406-888-1029. We're going caller number 3, 406-888-1029. You're caller number 3. You're going to get a dozen wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. I like the hot teriyaki. Me too. The, the sissy teriyakis are good. The Maui Wowie. There's all sorts of great flavors. Thank you so much to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill for your endless support here. Uh, of ESPN Radio. All right, I got three NFL questions for you. Bust them. First of all, the news of the day, the retirement of Rob Gronkowski. For the second time. For the second time. I have to believe this one's for for real this time. Um, 33 years old, so he's still relatively young. As we know, he uh, has broadcasting aspirations because he did some broadcasting cameos during that that year off. Rob Gronkowski, though, is... um, he, he holds a unique spot in the history of the game for sure. Is Rob Gronkowski the greatest tight end of all time? No. Wow, who is? I have a couple. Okay. I have a couple. My brother's going to shoot me. I know he's listening because he's like, you better say Mark Bavaro. Mark like, Bavaro. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Um, Shannon Sharp. It's interesting. It's a good one. Tony Gonzalez. So I the uh, Tony Gonzalez's numbers are unimpeachable. I mean, Tony Gonzalez has, I think, the seventh most catches, period. Not just period. for tight ends, but period in, in NFL history. He's a, a model of consistency. and Absolutely. But no championships. Yep. But that's such an interesting argument when it comes to the NFL, too, because we seem to only put championships into the evaluations totally. for the quarterbacks, right? Totally. You know, uh, there's... Like Walter I, Payton and Barry Sanders have one championship between the two of them, and those are two of the three best running backs ever, ever. right? Yeah, I mean, and there's, you know, there's other guys recently retired, guys like Greg Olson, um, just these amazing tight ends. I'm just... We talk about, we talk about the evolution of the game. Here's a very interesting fact. There's only, as of right now, Eight tight ends in the NFL Hall of Fame, in the Pro Football Hall of mm-hmm. Fame. But think about that that number is going to probably double Explode. in the next in the next five to ten years, right? Yeah. Because Tony Gonzalez is for sure going in. Absolutely. Antonio Gates is for sure going in. Actually, Absolutely. he actually might have just might, gone is he in. Din? I, I he might have been he's the, in. He might have been the ninth guy for sure. Jason Witten is going to have a pretty. That was another guy I was going to mention. He's going to have a pretty good argument for sure, and Gronkowski is for sure going in as well, Absolutely. regardless if he's the best ever or not. Absolutely, Gronk. His Gronk's trump card is his how prolific he was at scoring the football mm-hmm. when he was uninjured, and 
the fact that he's got a handful of rings. Yep. Those are and his personality is bigger than the planet. For sure. Rob Gronkowski is also a great uh, argument over, because we always, when we're talking about legacy and, and legend, longevity and consistency certainly are two huge factors. But also, I like to just compare when every single guy was at their peak, who is the best. And that would be my number one argument for Rob Gronkowski, is did he have the best career among tight ends? I would agree with you. I would say no. Mm-mm. When he was at his peak, was he the best tight end to ever play? I do think the best version of Rob Gronkowski is the best tight end ever. The be- Okay, say that again. The, I, best, the best version of Rob Gronkowski, Gronkowski. His, his his record-setting season when he scored yep. 18 touchdowns, the yep. most ever in a single season by a tight end, I believe is the greatest season by a tight end of all time. So, therefore, then, when Rob Gronkowski was at his best, he's the best tight end to ever play. He doesn't have the best career, but his peak is higher than any of the guys we just named, in my opinion. So, you're saying his peak is higher than Tony Gonzalez? I I do think so. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's bold. Yeah. We're going to argue off air. (laughs) I can't wait. FCC can uh, monitor that one. uh, Question number two. Yes. Lamar Jackson, in the midst of contract negotiations, if you were the Baltimore Ravens, would you extend Action Jackson? No. Wow. No. Wow. It, uh, in, injuries mount up. His style of play uh, does not does not bode well for longevity. Um, and I think altering his game to be not what he is will mess with his body and his mind and his spirit. So no, I don't extend. I, uh, I depending on what he does this year, bounce see what he does from um, you know last year being hurt, oft uh, injured. I want to see what he... This is a prove-it year, and then I would franchise him. From being, uh, from the perspective of being the face of a franchise, being like on-brand as the face of a specific franchise, Lamar Jackson's such a great fit in Baltimore mm-hmm. because of what they do offensively, because of what they want their team culture mm-hmm. to be, because of who their coach is, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. The thing that's so skewed, though, is I think you need... To, if you're the Ravens and you're going to give them an extension, which I think they should, you need to give them an extension not as a traditional quarterback... But as something, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is what we're seeing now is these guys are getting paid forty to fifty million dollars a year. The elite quarterbacks, absolutely. Are. Like if Deshaun Watson's contract is about to be one of the barometers for other guys' contracts, that's going to break the league because the, he'll be the new Christian Kirk. That's right. That's what, exactly. So I just don't know uh, how you can justify giving Lamar Jackson. You can't. You can't justify. You can't justify. That's exactly why I say no. He can't can't give him Aaron Rodgers money. You can't give him Patrick Mahomes money. But maybe you can give him something a little bit different. I don't know. I I think it's an interesting question because they're gonna have a hard time moving on from him. I think they are. And but the problem is, is as you are now seeing with Patrick Mahomes. And big contracts like that is it's going to hamstring you three years down the line. That's true. Is that is you know risk reward like pay the guy now, who he may not even be in the league in three years with the way his injuries are mounting up. Like it's just not. And I like the kid. Yeah. My my son's gonna my son's gonna skewer me. Wing it Wednesday presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Okay, last NFL question for you quickly. Would you trade Baker Mayfield if you're the Browns? No, because I don't trust the situation with Deshaun Watson. How could you? You you just can't. Like I just you, you, 
No, and I and I read today. What did he settle? Twenty. Uh, so I think twenty-two 20 of, the, of the twenty-five yeah. or something like oh, that. Well, then there's these uh, now. There's seventy-seven people with uh, some form of allegation against him. So. Yeah, I no no. You 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 keep Baker Mayfield in there. Keep making great insurance commercials, and uh, we roll on to the next segment, baby. Let's go. Nuanas now ESPN Radio NBA Draft ESPN Roundtable style. Austin Green joins us next. Keep it right here. Bobcat fans, support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.